In your bulletin, and we are so glad you are with us, by the way, on this celebration of a Dr. King weekend. I have to tell you a couple things. First of all, a lot of people will say, uh, well, I don't agree with all of Dr. King's theology. Well, newsflash, neither do I. But we're not talking about Dr. King's theology, though he said he was foremost a Baptist preacher. But how God used him uh, so much in this nation. We are serious about making this city the greatest city for Christ in America. And we are going to be stepping across some racial lines. This summer, uh, a Korean, large Korean church is going to come share with us in worship. Uh, this fall, a Hispanic. In a few weeks, the last uh, Sunday of February, the 6 o'clock evening service, uh, we're going to be traveling down to Mesa, Los Angeles, which is mostly a... Uh, mostly African-American, some Hispanic that are there, part of our presbytery. Then the last uh, Sunday of April, we likewise are going to be able to once again take our entire Sunday morning worship and bust it down to the forum to be at Faithful Central to be sharing there. We're starting to make new relationships and stepping across, take it up to the next level. But the most important thing is, you know, we're not going to change this city. and We're only as strong as we are at base camp. And here at base camp, I need you to have a handful of men and women maybe 7 to 10, that you are in a home group with. Our, uh, our passion and our desire and our intention is to get at least 90% of you during Lent, starting Ash Wednesday until Easter, to be in a home group to try it. It's only for uh, six weeks. And if uh, you take out your bulletin, you see this card? At the end of our sermon this morning, I'm going to ask everybody in here to fill one of these out. They're going to send it toward the center of each of the aisle, and those people are going to bring it up and lay it here on the communion table as a covenant. Now, we're going to get you in groups. We've got an incredible website that is up. You can sign up that way, but we want this. If you, might want to just, uh, you might want to lead a group. You might want to say, you know, it's only for six weeks. We're going to be little uh, bullet videos to do some discussion. We're all going to discuss the same thing. You can, I don't want to lead, but you know, you can use my house. You can come trash it out. Uh, you can come over there. You might want to do that, or you just want to say, I want to participate, or you're already in a group. So I want you to uh, sign this uh, up, and we're going to pass that over. And the reason why is because the best way for you to maximize this year, and I mean this, and the only way you're going to grow in Christ, rather than just talking about it, is when you have a few people that can know you and love you. It happened the very first century in a remarkable way. The central event of the Old Testament is, of course, the Exodus event. Everything points to that and refers back. The central event of the New Testament is the resurrection of Christ when he physically blew out of that tomb Easter morning. But then, 50 days later, after Christ had ascended, the birth of the church, Pentecost, took place. And the Holy Spirit fell, and everybody heard, as they were gathered together in all their languages, the gospel. If you have your Bible, would you take it out and stand with me for the reading of God's Word and turn to the book of Acts, the second chapter. It's on page 886 in your pew Bible. Acts 2, verses 37 through 42. Peter, uh, the big old uneducated fisherman, the Holy Spirit uses him, and he preaches this astounding sermon that you've crucified the Lord of life. And they say, well, what are we to do? And he responds in this way, and we see what it means to be followers of Christ. Together as God's people, let's read verses 37 through 42 together out loud. And as you read... Listen carefully, you're reading God's word. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Since in the reading of God's holy word, heaven and earth will pass away, but that never will. Hey, have you, you know, as I'm asking you to sign up for a group, I know a lot of you right now are going, uh, yeah, this would be great. I want a friend. A lot of us go, but what if I get in with a bunch of weirdos? What if I get in with a bunch of losers? What do I do then? Well, the good news is, uh, A, if you find a perfect group, don't join it because you'll ruin it. But, uh, <laughs> but we have a design that some of these are just going to dissolve after six weeks. Some of them are going to continue on, and you're going to make lifelong friends. I mean this. Some of them are going to back out and find the right group, you know. Certain bulbs, certain bugs, you know, uh, will come together in that way. But one of the tougher things, particularly if you're a new Christian, how, how do you talk to Christians? You know, we have our own language. You know that, don't you? And so how do you talk Christianese when you're gathered together? Well, this is a great problem, but the good news is our drama department has an answer for you. So watch this. Has this ever happened to you? I tell you, brother, it's a real blessing to have you to delve into the Word with us tonight. Well, I wasn't sure about leading a home group, but I prayed about it, and the Lord just put it on my heart, and so I stepped out in faith. Amen. Amen. That really speaks to my heart, because I just felt if I didn't open up my home, I'd grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ever been part of a conversation with other Christians, and you have no clue what they're saying? Well, no more. Announcing the tape series you've been waiting for, How to Speak Christianese. Yes, for the first time, you can avoid those embarrassing young-in-the-faith mistakes that often take years to overcome. Learn such important words and phrases as, On my heart, you've grieved my spirit, vestments, washed in the blood, sanctified, tithing, uh-huh, and mm-mm-mm. Listen to these invaluable tapes in the privacy of your very own home. When you explain about your previous sinful life and how you came to a belief in Jesus, that is called your testimony. I never knew that. Or while you're getting ready for work. As a Christian, when you want to admit you have a moral failing, you say, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Me combate con estes. Me combate con estes. Cool. And if you order today, you get this special bonus tape package entitled Denominational Differences. Learn why other Christians do such things as raise their hand, pray to Mary, ask for a hallelujah, handle snakes, speak in tongues, cheat, lie, or steal. And again, learn all of this in the privacy of your very own home. When people come down front during a church service to accept the Lord, that is known as an altar call. I never knew that. Avoid unwanted embarrassment. Order your 10-part tape series today. If not completely satisfied, look up 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. So as I was putting away the collection plates in the narthex, the Spirit of the Lord really impressed upon me the need for sanctification 
and fellowship to make me a better witness. That's the way real Christians talk. So order your copy of How to Speak Christianese today. And remember, adding a special love offering for postage and handling covers a multitude of sin. I never knew that. I haven't had any emails this week, so I thought we would share that one uh, with you. But honestly, uh, it's so important that you find some group. And it speaks, you know, what's called the language of love. And love is when somebody simply wishes your highest welfare. But they have to know you to be able to do that. All the great things you're going to do in 2005, I want you to remember this. The greatest reward in life for our efforts is not what we get out of it, but who we become through it. I mean that. The greatest reward you will get for all the things you do in this year is not all the goals and the accomplishments, but who you're becoming in the process. Because who you become in that process determines not only your destiny, but whether you can even enjoy it. I know people that this in their life have accomplished great, even noble goals. But something inside of them so died, they can't even enjoy the fruit of what they did. I know a pastor that God is using in a great way, but something just dinged and died inside of him, and he can't even enjoy how the Lord is using him now. And the, just because we accomplish things doesn't mean that we're filled. Life is filled with successful people that are as empty as a tin can on the side of the road. Boris Becker after he had won his second Wimbledon, they were interviewing him and he shocked the interviewer because he brought this up and they weren't ready for that. He said he was suicidal. And the interviewer was kind of like, really? Uh, and they shared and he said this, I'm rich, I have all the material possessions I need, I have everything and yet I am so unhappy. I'm the old song of a movie stars and pop stars who take their life. I have no inner peace, I am a puppet on a string. Unquote. Here you got this good-looking guy that's won Wimbledon twice. And what has happened is he inside hasn't changed. And lots of careers. Even the great author, Jack Higgins, a lot of successful novels like The Eagles Landed. They asked him, what do you wish you knew as you were a young boy? You know what he said? Quote, that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. Unquote. It's not what you and I accomplish. If you want to get the most fruit for the buck... It's who we're becoming. Because then there are these other fortunate few people out there that no matter what life does to them, they are truly masters, as they say, whatever lemons life hands them of making lemonade. They're just human shock absorbers. Life knocks them down and they bounce back up. And I want to tell you, in my life, and I've interacted with a lot of these, there is one secret of God they have all mastered. Spiritual friends. Not just the artificial sweet veneer Christians you're hanging around or the people you hang around at the bar or over the water cooler or coffee pot at work. I mean a woman or man who knows you and spiritually is sharing your life. There are two great directions in life. The vertical, our relationship with God, and the horizontal, our relationship with each other. And the early church, the first followers, which we just read, the first thing that God the Spirit does in this creating this new movement, the church, is he connects them together in small little groups, not just large corporate worship. And through that, 
they learn, and particularly learning how to, on the vertical, pray and get into the Word of God, and on the horizontal, how that applies, they took the Roman world, just a handful of... it was Christianity started as a poor urban movement. And all of a sudden, God turned the Roman world on its head in the first century. And He's going to do the same in the 21st century, if we're just willing to follow and trust Him. Amen? By the way, I've got about six weeks to get you ready to know how to say amen. Uh, amen? Amen. Very good. They won't even know we're white. That's very good uh, as we do that. If you got your Bible, turn with me over to Acts, uh, the second chapter. And we'll take a look at this again in verse 43. Sharing life in the vertical, how we live with God, can only happen if you have friends. Jack London, the great author, as he was studying the northern wolf, he said, the strength of the wolf is in the pack, but the strength of the pack is in the wolf. And what he noticed was a wolf on its own will die in that very brutal environment. But because they're in the pack, they live. But you could never have a wolf pack if it wasn't for the individual wolf, how they're made up. The strength of a Christian is the church. But the strength of any church is the Christians who make it up. And so here they're gathered together. And in verse 43, as it continues on, notice in 42, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the vertical and the horizontal, to the breaking of bread, the horizontal, and prayers, the vertical. Let's read verses 43 through 47 together. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles, All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Wow, what an incredible time to be alive. They watched Jesus explode out of the tomb and he showed himself to those who believed. Over 500 are alive in 55 AD when Paul writes 1 Corinthians who saw him resurrected. He's with them. Then he leaves and when the Holy Spirit comes, they start to love each other crazy. Can you imagine this morning if all of us brought all of our wallets and our credit cards and our cash and put it up here and say, if you have need, you come and take. Yeah, wouldn't that be, yeah, amen, yeah, that'd be great. Of course, I always like to say with that, you're really excited if you're on the poor end of the scale for that. But you know what's incredible? They trusted it, didn't care. Who would do that? People in love. And not in love with each other. In love with Christ. And because they were in love with Christ, they were in love with Christ in them. When we come together in groups, one of the things that, about true friendship is that you have to earn the right to come close to somebody. The Latin word intimus. We get the word intimacy from it. means the inner room. And you were right. There are some inner rooms of your life you don't just let the public into. Because there are some wolves out there. Christ said that. And you're crazy if you let them do that. He said, do not give what is holy to the dogs. They only tear it apart. Don't put pearls in front of swine. They'll trample them under feet. You need to be a big boy and girl about this. But if you never let anybody into that inner room but you, that's called solitary confinement. That is a punishment that some governments won't even do. 
And when many of us have exiled ourselves to solitary confinement because we won't let somebody next to us. And again, it, it takes time. And speaking distance in America, I've told you before, is 18 inches. Nobody told you that, but you learned it from a very early age. And if you don't think it's roughly 18 inches, uh, try to break it sometime. You come up about three inches and watch how people respond. Back, 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 here, boy. Or if you stand three feet away, do this at a party next time you're there. People will try to make it 18. You can just lead them around all night, you know, if they try to follow you there. Because they're in your privacy zone. Back off, back off. Well, we have emotional privacy zones as well. You don't just go touching people. Uh, my wife, Carolyn, you know, we were in a tragic, uh, terrible accident. Uh, we should have been killed, and her whole head, our van got hit. Somebody ran a red light, and she had to have uh, neurosurgery. Uh, her spine was busted and on a, up at C5, and praise the Lord, she's alive. But she always has pain with that. So I'm just in the habit of rubbing her neck all the time. Last uh, we were back at the President's Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., and she went to get a cup of coffee, and she came back, and I turned around, and, and I was just rubbing her neck, and uh, it wasn't Carolyn. <laughs> and the woman turned around, and I went, uh, uh, I'm Reverend Brewer. Uh, and just went from bad to worse. Uh, well, you know, you just start rubbing people. What's shocking is how long she let me do it. That's what I, you know, I think about. But, uh, well, you know, you have to earn the right to let friends into you. But you don't want to just talk about it. And I'm sick of Christians talking about, I want to grow in Christ and doing nothing. I want you to fill out that card for six weeks to come along and to come along next to somebody and you watch how the Holy Spirit is released. Because not just do we come together and get to know each other, but one thing that really helps is what, how it gets you into the Word of God by having a group of friends and what you get out of the Word. Hey, this is, we don't worship a book. We worship the risen Christ. But this is God's infallible guide and witness to it. And yet it is so hard to get into it at times because our lives are so crazy busy. And by the way, I might point out, Jesus would flat out refuse to live the pace of life we live. He'd say, there's no way I can hear the Father in that, when you're running that fast. So it's interesting that we keep doing that. But if you want to have Him in your life, one of the things, you slow down enough for Him to speak to you. But having other Christians to get into the Word. Because when we sit down, we're going to get in these little home groups together. We'll have a little video for you, like about three-minute Bible study if you don't want to teach. And we're going to be going through the same things together as a whole church. The Upper Room Discourse. Where Jesus with his disciples, he said, in my Father's house are, are many rooms. And that's where we're using the idea there are many rooms of the church here at Bel Air and the church in the city. But Christians help you to get into it. And not only what you get into it, what you get out of it. Hey, this is so simple that Christians can pick it up. But let's also be honest. It was written for adults. This is a library of 66 books. Some of the oldest, almost 4,000 years old, written over 1,500 years, many authors, in two languages, Hebrew and Greek, which none of us speak. And yet, how do you, sometimes it's tough stuff to understand. And people come up with some wacky interpretations. If you don't have a brother or sister to bounce that off, you can end up believing some real nutcase stuff. Sweet girl, she was a sincere Christian, real early young Christian. I remember, uh, Back in Colorado, she said, you know, if you go up skiing, if you're a Christian, you'll never get hurt. 
And I said, well, why is that? And she said, and she turned to the 22nd Psalm, the Messianic Psalm. She says, not a bone of his shall be broken. And she said, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit will not let you break your arm. You know, you think, well, I don't know what she was drinking. But as a... We said, what are you talking about? You know, and, and she was very sincere. Well, unless you've got somebody else to say, well, let's take a look at this a little closer, what he means by that. You really can't apply it. And I might tell you something else. Uh, I have spent tens of thousands of dollars and years of my life studying this word. But some of the greatest insights that have ever been given to me have come from just friends in the home groups, the small groups I've been in who never went to seminary, they'll just be reading it, and God will guide and lead them. Because this word is alive and active. And you go, I I never thought of that. That's great insight. You don't need to be an expert in this. You just need somebody else to share it. It'll get you into the word and what you get out of the word. And not only this thing, this wonderful thing called prayer. I know very few Christians that are satisfied with their prayer life. We know that prayer was the whole focus of Jesus' life. The work for Christ was in prayer before the Father. The ministry flew out of that. When he got before the Father, that's why he knew who to touch and heal and when to discern and when to divide the loaves and when to walk on the waves. It was born out of his prayer life. And yet it's so crazy that we don't spend time with the Lord because, you know, he doesn't talk back a lot. And unless you have other Christians that come and say, let's go together in prayer. And again, you know, talk about Christianese, what the drama department did, you know, all the different words. And, and pastors sometimes, you know, go into their stained glass voice, you know, and they'll try to use, and I'm not against bad English, you know, but all the 50 cent words on everything. And sometimes young Christians, and if you've never prayed out loud, remember, God looks at your heart, not your words. But this is one of the great things about some of you that are going to be in these home groups and you've never led in prayer before. Particularly if you're new in the faith, you've just never done it in your tradition. Is God will use you. When I uh, gave my life to Christ after my jerk phase of running away from Him, uh, and, you know, everybody has a jerk phase. You hope it's not long. Mine was long and deep and stupid. Um, And and all the stupid things of the world. And I was uh, hanging around a rather salty uh, group, uh, a couple of them are in federal pen right now. And one of them I remember that uh, Bob Cruz, he's a remarkable guy, he's a huge guy. You know, he, he, he was so, you know, talk about no shaving, he was so hairy. I, I think he had to shave his hands to eat. I don't know uh, for sure. But just this mean hombre. Uh, and he gave his life to the Lord. He wasn't really quick academically in high school. He was 21. Uh, and he, uh, I remember, lived in this uh, trailer court down by us and. He became a Christian. And one time we were gathered together and we said, uh, you know, Bob, would you like to pray? He goes, oh, I, I don't pray. And we said, well, why don't you lead us in prayer? He goes, me? And we go, yeah, go ahead, Bob. He goes, okay. God, it's me, it's Bob. I'm making this up. And he goes, you know, I live over here off Colfax. I thought he was going to give his zip code uh, as he started to do that. And he said, you know, these people got some real needs here. And, you know, he led in... I want to tell you, though, in my life, if I have a great need of prayer, one of the first people I would go to is Bob. Why? Because it's the sense of where two or more are gathered in my name. There is literally a chemistry. I don't know how oxygen and hydrogen, two flammable come together, makes water. I don't know how that works, but I know it does. 
And I don't know why, when you have two or three gathered together in Christ's name, that the Holy Spirit releases an energy and almost a spiritual chemistry you can never have on your own. You've got to know this. And so as we get together and pray, not only the vertical, the vertical has to flow into the horizontal. And the horizontal is what encourages us. If you don't have somebody that says, you know, you can do this, oh, the things we miss out on. Uh, I know a lot of you that are involved in the uh, industry would uh, appreciate this. Mercedes uh, ruled the first actress to win both uh, a Tony and Oscar in the same year. It was for uh, Lost in Yonkers and The Fisher King. She said that she saw her first Broadway show when she was a young girl, and they were just driving through Times Square. And on the spur of the moment, her uh, dad says, let's go see, uh, the, and it was the unsinkable Molly Brown. So they uh, just stopped. She remembers she said sitting in the back of her car and her mom ran to get the tickets. And they came out. There's only a few t- seats left. They were the box seats. And she said the thing she loved about her dad. You know, he always said, well, we're so far in debt. Let's go ahead. Let's go do it. <laughs> and so uh, they went. She was just mesmerized. And she couldn't take her eyes off of Tammy Grimes, the lead. And she was just watching. And she said, Tammy must have known that, watching her face as a young girl. Because she said that, Tammy caught her eyes one time and held them for a second or two and smiled at her. And she said, it seemed like forever, but it was probably just a second. But with that smile was the invitation to become an actress. She said, "I with that, those eyes catching mine, I was touched like a knight on both shoulders with a sword. When you have another brother or sister to be able to look at you and say, God can use you, it opens up a whole dimension that would never happen unless he had done that. That's why I want you in a home group. Now, for those of you that are visiting, I pray when you go back to your home church that you do this likewise. We've got hundreds of people already in home groups, small groups. But we're all going to work together from Lent, from Ash Wednesday until Easter in this. And what we'll find out as we get ready is the, when other Christians help you know how to apply the Word of God. Dale Carnegie was right. And isn't L.A. a lonely city? Oh my goodness. Uh, and this is one of the loneliest cities I've been. Everybody's just, for so many people gathered together. And a lot of people say, how could you make a friend here? Well, Dale Carnegie was smart. He said this way. You can make more friends in two months by being interested in others than in two years trying to get them interested in you. If you are just interested in other people, you get a friend by being a friend. Forget about yourself. Don't hate yourself. Think about others. Isn't it true our opinions of others when they get close enough is not what we see in them, but what they let us see in ourselves and when they believe in us? And there are people here that can release unbelievable things in your life if you take the effort to take the risk. And when we're going to get ready, as we've been talking with uh, Kenny Bishop Ulmer about our men's and our women's group and some of the other churches, and, and this summer and this fall, and with some of the Korean and Hispanic, some of you do small groups that are going to be cross-racial and stepping across with other churches. Others will just stay. But you've got to know how to live life. I remember hearing a gentleman sharing that he was uh, 
a farmer, wheat farmer, and they were in the harvest time, and they were out by a little airport, and they were with a combine, and it was getting dark, and things were going on. It got real dark, and they'll turn their headlights on. And they heard a plane flying overhead them, a little Cessna. And it kept flying and flying, and they realized it was some pilot that was trying to find there's a runway, one of those little farmer airlines out there, and they, there was no lights on the runway, and he couldn't find where it was at, and he kept flying. And they realized, this guy's run out of gas. He's going to crash and die. And the farmer, smart thinking, got in his pickup, and he drove up and down the runway with his headlights on so the plane could see where it was. And then it landed. And that's what you and I are called to do with a world that doesn't even understand morality and ethics outside of self and chewing up and using others. With a world that tells you you can sexually do anything you want if you like it. Or you don't need to share your money. Or you can, if people hurt you, you hurt them worse. How do you tell them the truth? You just simply come together. You don't convict them of sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You live your life in saying, this is the way you live your life. And what light and freedom it gives. And that's really true. If we're going to help make this city the greatest city for Christ, in the valley, in the west side, we're going to have to step across some racial lines. Now, this city is the world. As we had when it said when the mayor's here, there's more people groups and languages in Los Angeles than any city in the world. 182 of them in the Los Angeles unified school system alone. And so we're interacting all the time, but what's funny is we just clump together. And all it takes to break down those walls is sometimes to stand by somebody. I love the true story of one of the great Dodger players who first stepped out across the color line. Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play in the major leagues. It was all white before that. And when this black guy thought he could play and he was very good, you can't believe the resistance that took place. And the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers at that time, when they had him on, he would go and the crowds would say racial slurs other people, the things they would say. They would try to throw fastballs when he got up uh, to bat at his head to make this black boy go back to where he was supposed to. He came into base. There were always the cleats up at him. And one time the crowd was booing so much that a white shortstop from Alabama by the name of Pee Wee Reese called time out, walked over, Jackie put his hand on him and talked to him and talked to him and talked to him and talked to him like a friend. And then he put his hand on his shoulder and he turned and he looked at the whole crowd. This is my friend. And with that, the crowd got quiet. No more racial slurs for that game. You don't have to do brilliant, great things. You just need to be able to have your arm around somebody else and to say, I'm standing. You need to do this for yourself. You deserve this. You owe it to yourself. Don't try to live life alone. Let somebody get close. You owe it to others. Do you know the gifts that God has given to you that unless you have another life that you're just squandering when he wants to use them to bless others? Let's be honest. We all owe it to Christ what he did for us, and the people that he loves out here. We're going to, uh, in a moment, sign up for God to do some great stuff. Let's pray, shall we?
Father, I thank you that you've called us to live life together and we don't need to be alone. That God, that you want us to come to a place of where you can bless us in rich, deep, powerful ways. But you'll never do that with Lone Rangers, Lord, only as we come together. God, I pray you'd help us to be arranging these different house groups together, these home groups, Lord, and so that the right people could come together, Lord, for this brief period as we seek you. To make some of us will have friends that will last a lifetime. For others, we'll just make new friends for the Lenten season. But Lord, I thank you for this great adventure, Lord. And I can't wait to see what you're going to bring out of this. Thank you, Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.